Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 chapter 4 verse 6 so he said to me this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might not by power but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty what are you O mighty mountain before Zerubbabel you will become a level ground or a plain and then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of grace grace to it let's pray Father we just thank you for your word Just thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here today. Just come by your Spirit. Come and minister to each and every one of us today, we pray. We love you, God. And we just thank you, Father, for who you are. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to preach your word. Father, let the word speak deep in our hearts today, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, Last week, I spoke on the subject of mountains, um, mountain-moving faith. Uh, Today, I want to speak on the subject, mountain-moving grace. Um, uh, Now, if you were here at conference, uh, you would have heard the first message that Pastor Tark spoke on was actually on this particular text. Not only was he trying to steal our staff, he was stealing my messages as as well. Uh, But certainly, uh, a a great message that he preached that first uh, Thursday night of the conference. Uh, Last week, we spoke about mountains, and I said, whenever the Bible speaks about mountains, especially in the prophets, um, it usually doesn't speak about physical mountains. Mountains are often used as a metaphor to describe the challenging times uh, in our life. Think about the characteristics of a mountain, big and strong and powerful and permanent and grand and mighty, immovable. Um, You you don't just move a mountain. Mountains are difficult to move. Um, They can be moved. I mean, in theory, they can be moved. But in order to move a mountain, it's going to take quite a bit of effort and energy to do so. Um, But there are times in our life where we face situations that seem like mountains, Mountains are those things in our life that seem bigger than us, stronger than us, those barriers that hinder us, those situations that invoke fear and intimidation. We look at that situation and suddenly there's, there's fear that comes into our hearts or there's a fear that grips us. It's those things in our life that just won't move. Oh, we're trying to move this thing. We're trying to shift this situation in our lives, but it just doesn't seem to want to move. It's those issues that seem to trip us up again and again. They're bigger and stronger than us. Whatever it is that feels stronger or bigger than us, it's the mountains in our lives. One of the things that the Bible teaches us is that God is a God that can move mountains. Can I hear an amen? One of of the things that the Bible teaches us is that we serve a God. He's not a weak God. He is a mighty God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's a God that can move mountains. Psalm says this, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Now again, it's not speaking necessarily about physical mountains, but it's speaking about those issues in our life that seem stronger than us. Question is, how do we deal with those mountains? How do we deal with those mountains in our life? How do we deal with those situations that seem impossible to move? Well, last week we looked at the first key, and that is by faith. 
Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it shall move for nothing shall be impossible for you. Now these are Jesus' words. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Now listen what He's saying, because what He's saying to His disciples, He's actually saying to you and to me. And He's saying, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now I've never seen a mustard seed, but I imagine it's pretty tiny. And uh, Jesus is saying, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, then you can move some mountains. And then He says, for nothing shall be impossible for you. Now, I read a verse like that, and I don't know about you, but I say to myself, I, I, if, 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 uh, if you need faith as small as a mustard seed to move a mountain, how much faith have I really got? I must have like a hundredth of that. And I don't know about you, but I would like to see more faith in my life. Last week, we looked at how to have more faith. One of the things that we need to do is ask for it. One of the ways that our faith begins to increase, one of the ways that faith begins to increase in our lives is we ask for it. The disciples asked Jesus for two things. They said, number one, they said to Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? They watched Jesus' prayer life and, and they saw that Jesus was actually effective in his life. And they said, well, it must have something to do with his prayer life. And they said to Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Well, uh, Jesus said to them, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, the power of the Lord's prayer is not in the words. The words, the power is not, well, if you, if you say these words or if you repeat these words, then, 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 then this power is released. The power is in the meaning of the words. And Jesus was teaching through the Lord's prayer principles about how to pray. You've heard me say this a thousand times, but my favorite part of the prayer is, is the two words right at the beginning. It's our Father. I don't get tired of saying that. It's our Father. Jesus was telling his disciples, listen, this is how you connect with God. This is how you relate to God. This is, this is how you go to God. You don't go to God like he's some God that's mighty and powerful and not reachable. You go to God like a child goes to their father. Now, we don't get that in the English text. We get, we, we get that really in the, in the original text. It's Abba. It means daddy. It means dad. <laughs> how, how, do, how do we go to God? We go to God like a child goes to their father. It's our Father. It's just beautiful. I don't know about you, but that does something inside of me. Now, I know some of us haven't had great fathers on earth, and so that might invoke all kinds of memories. But let me tell you, God is not the kind of bad fathers that we've had. There's no such thing as a good father. Every father's got some kind of issues, except one father in this church. He's doing pretty good. I'm only joking. Is that right, Jeremy? Uh, he's not here. Um, uh, We've all got flaws. No such thing as a perfect father. There is only one perfect father. He's our father. He's just beautiful. He's our father. Our father which art in heaven. He's a God that listens to us. He's a God that, that hears our cry. He's a God that helps us. He's a God that comes. It's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You begin to pray by worshipping God. Recognising who he is. And he says, give us this day. We could, we could go on and on. We can do a whole series on that, and we will do a series on the Lord's Prayer. Two things 
That's where I was going. Two things the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. The second thing they said is, will you increase our faith? They saw Jesus do all these miracles and, and, and different things. And, 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 uh, and they said, increase our faith because our faith seems to be so low. I believe if there's a prayer that we should pray, is Lord, increase our faith. Last week, we spoke about how to increase our faith. Some people think that they have to kind of work themselves up in some, in some kind of way. No, the best way to increase our faith is to go into the presence of God and, and just begin to cry out to God and speak to God. Prayer is about talking to God. Talk to God about what you're going through. As you speak to God, God will speak back. And the basis of faith is a word from God. The Bible says, and our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, there's a strong correlation between the word of God, receiving a word from God and faith. As we get a word from God, our faith begins to increase and is birth. As we, as we get that word, we step out in faith. And we wait on God and we worship God. You can have a look at that message from last week. In the text we read today, we find another key to how we can deal with the mountains in our life. And that's through grace. This is a powerful thought, and I pray that it will speak to us right at the outset. I want you to think about whatever it is that stands between you and God. What is that mountain in your life? What is that situation that seems bigger than you, stronger than you, that situation that you're saying to yourself, if I could just deal with this, my life would be different. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, everybody says Zerubbabel. <laughs> So anyway, I was given the responsibility of rebuilding the temple. Haggai, Zechariah gave the moral and spiritual encouragement to resume the work. The work before them seemed daunting, difficult, discouraging at times. You, you read the context of, of this particular passage back in Ezra and Nehemiah. You kind of see what was actually happening as they were trying to rebuild the temple. It was all kinds of opposition from the government and from people that were trying to stop or block the work that God was doing. This was such a difficult task. It felt like a mountain before them. So Zerubbabel is getting discouraged. And so God begins to speak to him through Zechariah. I love this passage of scripture. He says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He says, Zerubbabel, I know you're discouraged right now. I know you think that there's an impossible task before you. But here is the word of the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, old mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Again, we see that word mountain here. Again, that word doesn't necessarily mean a physical mountain. It represents the challenges that Zerubbabel was facing in terms of building the temple, uh, the task that was at hand. And Zechariah begins to speak to him, and he says... Um, you need to speak to that mountain. Who are you, O great mountain? And I love that aspect of it, uh, that, that Zechariah is speaking to that mountain. There are times that we need to speak to the mountains in our life. Either we speak to the mountains in our life or the mountains will speak to us. How many people know that the mountains sometimes are speaking to us? Those mountains, those issues that are bigger in our life that seem enormous, immovable, are speaking to us. They're saying, I'm bigger than you. You cannot get rid of me. Either we speak to those mountains or those mountains will speak to us. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he begins to declare that. 
Who are you, old depression? Depression at times will speak to us and say, I'm not going away. There's nothing you can do to change this. I'm here for the long haul. Uh, And and, and the, the depression begins to speak. Oh, there is no hope for your life. Don't even bother trying to do that. Don't even bother trying to talk. What are you even going to church for? Reading your Bible, well, that's a waste of time. Hasn't helped you up to now. How many people know the mountain of depression can speak to us at times? And there's times where we need to stand up to and say, who are you, O great mountain? Who do you think you are standing up to me? We need to speak to anxiety at times. The fears that come in our lives, the dread that comes into our life, the dread speaks to us or something bad is just around the corner. And it causes us to shrivel up into a corner where we think we're safe. Sometimes we need to speak to those mountains in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We need to speak the word of the Lord to those mountains. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind. Who are you, O great mountain? Marital challenges, sicknesses. Who do you think you are trying to intimidate me? You shall become a plain by the grace of God. How's the mountain going to be made uh, flat, the verse goes on to say, with shouts of grace, grace to it. And so here's the key for today. How do we deal with the mountains in our life? Another way is by the grace of God. God was saying to Zerubbabel, this mountain is not going to be defeated by might or by power or by your abilities or by your education, but, but by my spirit and by the grace of God. Paul said something similar to the Philippians. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you He will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, notice what that verse says. The verse verse says, he who began a great work in you, he's the one who's going to complete it. God isn't saying to, to Philip, Paul isn't saying to the church in Philippi, he who began a great work, he started the work, but you've got to finish it. The Bible says he started it and he will finish it. In the name of Jesus. Now, often we think of grace as a New Testament concept. You know, the Old Testament is about the laws and the rules. And there were over 600 laws that the people of Israel had to, had to follow in the Old Testament. We think of the, the grace as a New Testament concept. But here it is, tucked away in a little Old Testament book. You will overcome this mountain by grace. Now, most of us understand grace in terms of salvation. We are saved by grace. The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We know that scripture. We've heard that scripture many times. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For how are we saved? It's by the grace of God. And the point is that Paul is making here, there is nothing that you can do to save yourself. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to add to your salvation. Salvation is actually a gift from God. Religion says, if you want to get saved, you have to be good. There's this concept in religion that says, well, the more good you do, the more impressed God is, and the more He will love you, and then you'll get to heaven. That's what religion says. Religion says, if you read your Bible, and if you read your Bible more, then God will be more impressed with you. Or if you pray, or if you fast. Religion says, if you do these things, then you might be saved. The Bible is saying there is nothing that you can do to add to your salvation. Can I hear an amen somewhere? There's absolutely nothing that we can do. It's a gift from God. It's a free gift from God. And all we need to do is accept it. 
Imagine you invite someone to a party and they give you a gift. Like, oh, we bought you a gift. It's beautifully wrapped. And so you unwrap the gift um, and, you know, whatever there's in there, there's in there. You, you never say something bad about a gift that you get, do you? You never go, oh, that's a terrible gift. Oh, it's terrible. No, you re- thank you so much. It's beautiful. Imagine if after receiving that gift, they say to you, oh, that'll cost you $50, thanks. What, what would you think? What would you say? It's either a gift or it's not a gift. It can't be both. It, it's either a gift or, or, or not a gift. Um, the Bible says... Uh, salvation is a free gift from God. And we need to let that sink into our hearts and let that sink into our lives because so often we think we have to work for our salvation. The Bible says there's nothing that you can do to get God to love you more. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The reality is so so many of us have this concept of God. The concept is quite simple. And and I don't care how long you've been in church and how long you've been a Christian, that concept seems to make its way into our hearts and into our lives. And the concept is simple. There's a thought that says, if I pray more, God will love me more. It's such a destructive thought. It says, if, if I read my Bible more, if I come to church more, then God will love me more. There, there is nothing that we can do to, to earn the love of God. Nothing. There, there is nothing that we can do. It's a free gift from God. Now, the difference is this. It's because God loves me, I read my Bible. I don't read my Bible so that God will love me more. I read my Bible because God loves me. It's a completely different way of looking at it. I don't pray so that God will, will, will give me more. I, I, I don't do that. I, I, because God loves me, I pray. I come to church because I enjoy the presence of God. It's not so that I can, you know, get some more points and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scoring points in heaven, like frequent flyer points, you know, and then you've got to get over a certain amount. And if you get over that, that many points, then, then you can purchase a ticket in heaven. That's not how Christianity works. Aren't you glad? Can I hear an amen? Salvation is a free gift from God. All you have to do is receive it. You either accept the gift or you choose to push the gift away. It's a choice that we all need to make. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That's one aspect of grace. But in this passage, we learn about another aspect of grace. It's, it's enabling grace. It's the ability to do things we could never do on our own. It's enabling grace. Bible says in the New Testament, it says, and great grace was on them. What, what it's speaking about there, it's not so much speaking about salvation grace. That's one aspect of it. It's speaking about enabling grace. In other words, they were able to do things that they could not otherwise do with their own strength. Now, as Christians, we're good at accepting grace for salvation, but for many of us, that's where it stops. So often in our walk with God, we come to know Christ, everything's going fine, then we start facing some challenges. Some of those challenges are small, some of them are medium-sized, and some of them are like mountains. And those mountains start to impact on our relationship with God. The question then becomes, how do we deal with those mountains? We say, well, if I could just get rid of this mountain, I would be fine. If I could just deal with this addiction in my life, then my life would, would be so much better. If I could just forgive this person, I'm just, I, just, I, I, just, I don't want to forgive this person. I know I need to forgive them, but I don't want to forgive them. But if I could just get over this thing, I know, I know things would change in my life. If I could just get over this hurt, if I could just be healed of this sickness, if my marriage, my past, my finances could be resolved, then I I know that I could serve God. Then I know my life could be lived differently. I'm grateful for the grace of God for salvation. But there's this mountain in my life. 
And I don't know how to deal with it. People deal with the mountains in their life in different ways. Some people deny the reality of them. That's beautiful. Some people, well, what mountain? There is no mountain. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's like, you know, there's an elephant in the room. Hello. But they, you know, no, there's no elephant in the room. There's an elephant in the room. You know, people live in denial. Some people blame others for the mountain. Oh, well, the only reason why I've got this mountain is because of my upbringing or because of this reason or this other. If this hadn't happened in my life, then my life would be different. And a lot of people take on the role of a victim. The victim mentality is always going to keep you paralyzed. It's always going to keep you down. It's always going to keep you in a position of, of almost like begging. Um, the way out of that is by taking responsibility for the situations that we find our, ourselves in. Some people escape the mountain by medicating themselves. But the majority of us, we try and deal with the mountain with our own strength. We think to ourselves, if, if I just pray more, then my mountain will go. Uh, so we pray for one hour or two hours, but the mountain is still there. Uh, some people think I need to fast more. Some people, some people fast, you know, and I've seen this so many times where people fast themselves crazy. And, you know, it's not 21 day fast. It's a 42 day fast and so on and so on. Um, and it's, there's the thought I've got to, I've got to work harder because somehow if I do, then, then, then God will help me. Uh, there are some people that think that the way God works is to drive us to do more and fast more and pray more, give more. And as ministers, even sometimes we can feel that drive where God is telling us to do, you know, more. You're not doing enough, Joe. You need to do more. Um, so I've got to do more, work harder, because then, then God will bless me. Paul planted a church in Galatia, and they started off well. When he visited them on a subsequent journey, he rebuked them. Listen to what he said. He, said not, he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, he's saying, and trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do not set aside the grace of God, for it is righteous, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. They had moved from a position of salvation by grace to a position of salvation by works. And Paul says, if you could be saved by what you could do, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, if we could save ourselves, then why did Jesus go to a cross and die on a cross? The reason why he died on the cross is he paid the penalty for all of our sins because we could not do it. And here's what happens to us as Christians. We are saved by grace, but then we think we have to fix ourselves with our own strength. Those mountains in our life, we think we need to move them ourselves. And so Zerubbabel was starting to think like that um, about rebuilding the temple. There's this mountain before him. Everything seems to be going wrong. So God speaks to him through the prophet Zechariah and he says, listen, Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but I often think that things are up to me. I usually, I, I, sometimes I get into a place where I think, well, my future depends on me. Um, I used to think, and sometimes I still fall into that trap, that, you know, the preaching depends on me. And every time before I speak, usually I spend some time in prayer. And one of the things, one of the verses that I quote is this one. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, if we're going to get anything out of a talk that I do, it's not because how eloquent I am. It's by the Spirit of God. 
It's because God speaks to us through his word. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. Some people, after trying to move the mountain, give up on God. They give their best. They work hard, do as much as they can. Still the mountain is there. And so they give up on God. There is another way. If we're going to see the mountains removed in our lives, we need to get to a point where we realize we can't move the mountain. We need to get to a point, to a stage in our life, as we look at those situations before us, where we say, you know what? I actually can't do this with my strength, whatever that looks like. Paul says in Romans, it's beautiful, chapter 7, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul that was used by God for great miracles and so on. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. It's a bit of a tongue twister. But what essentially Paul was saying is, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, they're the things that I do. And it's like there's this, this drive inside of me not to do the things I want to do, but the things I don't want to do. Listen to what he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, who is grace, capital G-R-A-C-E. We can try and fix ourselves and we will struggle. Well, what we need is the grace of God. We need to get to a point where we recognize this mountain's too big for me, too strong for me. I can't move this. And the grace that saved us is the same grace that can deal with the mountains in our life. It's beautiful. Uh, God often says, I've, I've been waiting for you to stop trying. When that happens, Zerubbabel, who's a type of Christ, begins to shout grace. Grace. So here we are. We're trying to fix this. You know, we're trying to, there's got to be a way. Maybe I've got to try harder. Maybe I've got to do more. Maybe, maybe I've got to pray more. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've got to try harder and harder to, to, to see this thing dealt with in my life. And then after trying so hard, we, we finally give up and we go into the presence of God and we begin to talk about it and say, God, you see this mountain that's before me. I, I can't deal with this, God. I've tried. Would you give me the grace to get through this? It's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a surrendering to God. It's saying, God, okay, I, I can't do this with my own strength. I surrender it to you. And as we begin to do that, God begins to give us the grace to deal with the mountains in our life. Now, sometimes we think, well, if this mountain would just be removed, then my life would be better. And, and sometimes God does actually remove those mountains in our life. Other times what God does is He gives us the ability or the capacity to actually get through that mountain. It's not necessarily getting rid of it, but God gives us the grace, the ability to actually work through that particular mountain, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In other words, He will provide a way through it so that you can actually stand up under it. And there are times where God gives us the capacity, the skills, the abilities, the strength to do things we could not do by ourselves. That's what grace is. 
That's what enabling grace is. It's the ability to do, to do things that we could not otherwise do in our own strength. It's the enabling grace of God. You know, sometimes in, in marriage, how many people we need grace, understand we need grace in marriage? Can I hear an amen? Lana said the loudest amen, my goodness. <laughs> uh, it's true. To me, every marriage is a miracle. It's really bringing two people from two completely different you know, lives and you come together and, 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 and without the grace of God, I'm not sure. It's challenging. But God gives us the grace, the ability, the capacity to be able to work together by his grace for his glory, for his glory. We can try and fix ourselves and we will struggle. What we need is the grace of God. God doesn't shout at us, he shouts at the mountain. God doesn't want that mountain in your life. He wants to remove it himself. What is the mountain in your life? Many versions of the mountain, there's addictions, challenges, anger, hurt, hate, habits, broken relationships. Whatever it is that blocks our relationship with God, it's whatever gets in the way of our relationship with God. And so often we try and remove it with our own strength and we fail and we feel, we feel hopeless. We say, you know, why me? Where is God in this situation? The only way that mountain is going to be moved is through grace. The reality is many of us struggle to accept grace. We would rather work for something than just receive it as a gift. That's why people struggle with salvation in terms of a biblical perspective, because it's free. It's a gift. No, you don't have to do nothing. No, people would rather earn it so that they can say, hey, I, I, I did this my way. The enemy of grace is pride. Deep down, all of us want to be God and not be told by anyone, including God, what to do. So many of us have a really hard time accepting grace, the gift of grace. We have a hard time accepting the love of God. I used to struggle to accept gifts many years ago. I used to have some trouble accepting gifts. You know, people would want to give me stuff. Oh, no, you know, uh, don't give me anything. No, it's okay. I don't need it. You know, I had a real hard time until, you know, the Lord spoke to me and showed me that what was really behind it was pride. Because I didn't want to be, be seen to be weak. I'm accepting stuff from other people. And God miraculously delivered me from that. Now I'm very happy to accept gifts in the name of Jesus. Just bring it on in Jesus' name. We think that in order to be loved, we have to do something. We have to earn it. We have to be good to measure up. God's grace isn't like that at all. There's so many examples in Scripture of the grace of God. Woman caught in adultery. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Matthew, the, Matthew's a tax collector, becomes an apostle of Jesus Christ. The prodigal son story, just one of the most powerful stories. Love telling that story. Uh, story of Rahab is also a powerful story. These are all great stories of grace, where God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He chooses not only to forgive us, but to bless us. Matthew Henry says, what comes from the grace of God may in faith and upon good grounds be committed to the grace of God for God will not forsake the work of his hands. This is his doing and he will give us the grace to carry out what he's called us to do. God reminded me of uh, grace recently and you know, forgive me for this really bad story, but it reminded me of the grace of God. Uh, it was a rainy day uh, last week 
And uh, I went home, I had to get a few things. And then my, my little Theodore, our little Theodore dog, uh, Maltese, gorgeous little dog, painful little dog. Anyway, he was outside, drenched, cold, shivering, uh, all wet because of the rain. And uh, so I opened the garage door and invited him, called him to come in. You know, come into the garage and in the shelter, this bed is there, food, water, etc., etc. And uh, he wouldn't come. Called for it with him for a number of times, he wouldn't come. This has happened before. He's come in the past, but then he knows I lock him into the garage, doesn't want to be locked in the garage, and so he didn't come. Um, so I thought, you stupid dog. You're almost a cat. I tried to tempt him with some food. You know, surely the food is going to get him. Uh, dog food. I reckon if I would have used some pasta, it would have got him. That, he would have come in for the pasta. It was the dog food. No, I'm not interested. Uh, and, and, you know, initially my thought was, listen, Kevin, when initially my thought was, you're a foolish dog. You stay outside. You learn, learn, learn a lesson. Here I am, the master, trying to help you, trying to bring you to shelter where you're going to be nice and warm and eat and drink and, and be in a safe place. No, you want to stay outside where you learn your lesson. And then I thought about it. It's funny how God can sometimes speak to us about from even, even a dog. Aren't we like that so often? We think we're smarter than God. We think we can outthink God. We, we, think, we think God says, hey, listen, this is what you should do. God's Word says to us, hey, don't do this, do this. You know, when the Bible talks about sin, it's not saying God is not a killjoy. God wants us to experience joy. He's saying, follow these principles and you will experience joy. But we, like Theodore, say, no, sorry, I'm going to do this my way. We think we are smarter than God. And we choose to obey the principles in His Word to our own detriment. How does God deal with us? Here's the question. How does God deal with us? Does He leave us out in the cold? Does He leave us in our stupidity? Is that in our foolishness? Is that how God deals with you and me? Is that how He dealt with us? God is a God of grace. And by His mercy, He comes outside and He grabs us and He brings us to a safe place. And when we get there, we go, gee, I made a good decision. Gee, I'm pretty smart. I did really well. So um, I went outside, got Theodore, put him in a safe, dry place in the shed. He spent the rest of the afternoon trying to get out of the shed, trying to escape, because uh, that's what he does. God doesn't only want to save us by His grace. He wants to remove those mountains that are in our lives by His grace and for His glory. Question is, what is that mountain in your life? What is that thing in your life that seems big and strong, powerful, permanent, grand, immovable? What is that thing in your life that if you would just be removed, would be free, would free you to serve God? God says you can try and spend the rest of your life trying to move that mountain or you can surrender, give up trying to change your own life, surrender the mountain to God and let God do by grace what I cannot do with my power. 
Zerubbabel is trying to restore the temple. Things are getting really bad. Feels like the mountain of work. It feels like there's a mountain of work and trouble ahead of him. And God, God speaks to him. Don't forget this scripture. It's a powerful scripture worth memorizing. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's a powerful principle to live by. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring the, forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. To, I believe that's a word for us as individuals. I believe it's a word for, for us corporately as a church. God is going to help us to deal with the mountains in our own lives. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Or today's a good day to just open up your heart to Him. It's not about joining a church or changing religion. It's not what it's about. It's about opening our heart to Him. Um, Christianity is not about religion. It's not about a church even. The Bible doesn't speak about either of those things. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that we can do is just open up our heart. I always encourage people that, you know, maybe are not sure. I say, you know, just pray a simple prayer. Lord, if you're real, I want to know. I want to know. Lord, if you're real, I want to know. I don't want to get to the end of my life and discover that all of this is real. If you're real, I want to know. Reveal yourself to me. Maybe there's some people here today, you're facing a mountain in your life. And you know, some of them are massive. You've been struggling with a mountain for some time. I did in the first service, I want to do it this time as well. Give people an opportunity just to pray for people. Um, and uh, worship team's going to sing a song. And just while we're doing that, if, if you would like prayer today, just come forward and we're going to pray with you in the name of Jesus. Pastor Joe, why, why, why do I have to come forward? Um, coming forward is, 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 is the first step in saying, you know what, I, I can't deal with this. I need, I need your grace. I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the energy to deal with this. I can't do this by myself. I just need help from you. I need grace. That's the first step in receiving grace from God understanding that He's a gracious God, understanding that He's a merciful God. I say, I can't do it. I need you, Lord God. And so if you'd like prayer today, I just want you to come forward. We're going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Then we're going to close the service.